Welcome to the Another Mother Runner podcast. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and joining me is Adrian Martini. Hello, Adrian. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I am very good. Very good. And and at the outset of all of this, I want to mention that there might be creaking floors in the sound of this podcast because I have three mother runners who have very generously come over today to help stuff swag bags from our train like a mother club. And, you know, I live in a house that was built in about 1906 and I'm in the basement. So the floors overhead are creaking. Well, I have some news from you. So if you hear thunking and banging and uh, guys yelling, I'm not being mugged. Uh, <laughs> there are guys up on our roof measuring for solar panels because we're trying to decide if we're going to take that leap. So, oh my gosh. I love that. I love that both of us have people walking over our heads. I right know. <laughs> I know. Apparently, that's what we do on Thursday. So, right, yeah. right. So, um, so you get enough sun there in Oneonta to warrant uh, solar panels? They allege that we do. We know mm. we have friends who have them. So I'm going to trust the guys who know what they're doing. Yeah. Um. And your roof faces south? We have a section of roof, that enough of a roof that faces south that we could make it work. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, you know, we're, we're pondering. We're uh -huh. pondering. Try to be green. Uh, I have to say that, um, so I ran a half marathon on Sunday and it was out uh, about 20 minutes west of Portland in it gets surprisingly rural out there very quickly once you get past the urban growth boundary. And the, I saw more than one barn roof that had solar panels right. on it. I'm like, right. I love that. <laughs> right. No, our garage, uh, we're actually thinking about putting them on the garage because that has the sunniest oh. roof line. So nice. Yeah. And, we'll see. and then would you just use the power or would you be able to like sell it back and put it into the, you know, beyond the grid? I, you know, don't know. Oh. This is all a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> we just know that the magical sun shines on the, our roof in just the right way. Oh, uh, uh -huh. um, then we could, I think we can sell it back into the grid, but oh, I don't nice. know that we'll, we'll make enough to really make that oh, uh -huh. a big thing. So well, that's exciting. Well, you'll have to give us an update at some point once you find out an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so speaking of, of updates, last time you were with us, you ha um, were working on knitted knockers. <laughs> <laughs> so so what have your knitting needles been whipping up these days? Well, the first, I finished my knockers. Uh, <laughs> my knockers are in the mail. Um, Two sentences you don't hear very often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and let's see. So I knew that I was flying down to Austin to do a half marathon down there this weekend. So I wanted a project that really didn't require much attention on my part. Um, so I started an easy, easy, easy scarf for my husband. Oh, all right. So that's what I'm working on right now. And he doesn't have like 20 scarves that you've already made for him? Um, he doesn't because we have a 13-year-old who borrows all of our scarves and mittens and gloves and hats and then promptly leaves them in her locker. Oh, nice. And the locker just eats them up, right? It does. It yeah. really, really does. I swear. <laughs> it's where the like sock monsters go. Right. Uh, the locker monster. You must the have... locker monster. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are always in need uh -huh. of scarves and hats and, and all of that because they have vanished. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Our locker monster eats my son's brand new coats. He's, oh. He specializes particularly in here in Portland, you know, you don't have to have a really serious winter coat. You can get through a lot of the season with those LL Bean that look like a zip up sweatshirt, but then have like kind of the fake um, fleece or Sherpery type oh, yeah, fleece inside yeah. of them. Yeah. There's some, I'm sure someone listening knows the exact name of that product I'm talking about. It never fails. 
if I give him a hand-me-down one from one of his sisters, because I always tend to buy him in kind of gender-neutral colors, um, if I give him a hand-me-down one, he'll keep it for months and months and months and months. Give the boy a brand new one, it is lost within a week. I know. Just like, you're killing me here, kid, because this thing, it like costs more than most things I buy you. (laughs) I know. I know. You just want to staple them to their bodies. Oh, my gosh. just hang on to it, dude. <laughs> and then, then finally, I'm like, okay, I'm not buying new ones. So I have been buying um, like used fleece jackets or something on eBay. Of course, he doesn't lose those. But no. then twice we have been, um, my kid's school, there's a couple different ways you can get to it. And you have to drive to it from where we live. But so but my new thing is to park on the far side of the school, which involves then walking on a nice little you know, um, like sidewalk that goes past the community garden and cuts right near the little soccer field and everything. Twice we've been walking across there and Daphne, his twin sister will look out and be like, Oh, look, John, I think that's your coat. And <laughs> there it was, it spent all night, like on the, you know, the soccer at the right. one end of the soccer field or something, you know, pour, drenched from the rain we've had the oh, night before. And I'm like, honey, yeah, I'll take this home and wash it for you. Okay. <laughs> See, I would just make him wear it like that. You know, maybe this will teach the lesson. You know, oh my these are gosh. the consequences of your action. That is beautiful. Borrow, do. borrow a page out of the parenting book from Adrian Martini. <laughs> it's a rough world up here. You know, Northeasterners, you gotta be tough. Yeah, gotta exactly. Be tough. Suck it up, Buttercup. You're wearing yep. this fleece coat. <laughs> That's soaking wet. <laughs> but yeah, so he, you know, we can't lose that thing to save our lives. Yet we've never seen hide nor hair of those two LL Bean brand new ones that he's lost i wonder if you could put like you know the tags that they put on the backs of race bibs maybe just (laughs) if found return to (laughs) or like the little electronic oh i see oh the the uh, chip timing oh yeah Um, Well, there's there's, um, you know, to paraphrase Madeleine Albright, you know, there's a special place in hell for the people (laughs) who keep those L.L. Bean coats that I have very clearly written in Sharpie, you know, Carney, you know, our phone number, our address. So, (laughs) well, maybe they just need the coat. You know, let's be charitable. That is okay. All right. Maybe yes. Cold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, so maybe, maybe now they're also joined up by all your hats and, and scarves <laughs> in the alternate dimension where these things go. <laughs> right. The locker monster siphons them to people who need yes. them. So that's nice. Because it's chilly. It's that's, chilly. That's nice. Okay. So both you and I then ran half marathons on Sunday. We Let's did. talk about that. We did well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to go first. That's... No. Oh, no, no, no. You're oh, going okay. first because you ran Austin because you're with a whole bunch of bammers, woman. With... I know. I was with, it was, first off, let me just say it was the best weekend. I mean, I've had some good weekends, so I wouldn't say it's the best weekend ever, uh-huh. but it was a pretty good weekend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so it was me and 10 other badass mother runners. Nice. Um, and we all met up to do the Austin um half marathon and there was also a marathon um and it's always in february i think it's always the second weekend and this weekend it just happened to fall on valentine's day which was also the same day as one of the mother runners birthday oh nice whose birthday was it uh it was natalie's birthday oh how wonderful yes so not only did we get to all hang out and celebrate being able to spend time together but we also got to have cake and oh. that always makes it so much more fun. Oh, so much more fun, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, 
I think one of the highlights, I mean, there are so many highlights, but one of the highlights was sitting and watching the Olympic trials together. Oh, you guys just had a banner weekend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause you want, so nothing better to do because you got to have your feet up anyway. And then to get to watch that together. Oh my gosh. I'm so envious. Okay. So we sat around drinking noon, um, and eating barbecue, um, and you know, good race fuel. Uh, gosh. And watching the and watching uh, Shalane Flanagan and Amy Craig at the end. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my. God. Oh, and Amy Craig turning her head so many times. Yes. I just was like, Amy, keep your eyes on the road. You're going to fall. You're going to trip. I know. Uh, we were all doing the exact same thing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I wanted to reach into the TV and just like make her head go straight forward and be like, "It's go time, Amy. It's go time." Be okay. Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. That that was such a sign of true, you know, friendship. oh yeah. friendship and solidarity and empathy because you know there, but for the grace of God, you know, the shoe could have been on the other foot, and you know, yeah. and Amy had finished fourth, and so she knew what it feels like to to drop back in a race, and oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and then at the race itself, I did not realize. See, here's the thing: I had one of those crazy ideas, and I said, I lived in Austin. Um, I'd love to go back and run in Austin. And there are two half marathons. There's one in January and one in February. And I looked at the courses and the one in February just looked like a much more interesting course. Uh-huh. Um, I did not realize how hilly it was. Mm. It, it being in hill country and everything. Uh-huh. It is in the hill country. And uh-huh. everybody's like, oh, Texas is flat. No, Texas is not flat. <laughs> Parts of Texas <laughs> are flat. Um, so it was a challenging course. Uh-huh. Um, so I did not realize how challenging it was going to be. Uh-huh. Um, and I've been kind of, I've been working with coach Christine to break this two thirty half marathon time. Uh-huh. Um, and I had a really good training cycle. Um, and I, you know, we all kind of decided, Hey, let's try to break that in Austin. Ooh, um, uh-huh. uh, short version is it didn't go as planned. Uh-huh. Um, I learned so much, though, because I had Christine running on one side and another mother runner um, named Heidi Gillenwater on the other side. Uh, and we had our own Amy Craig, Shalane Flanagan moment. Oh, um, nice. And it was really, it was, uh, while the result was not what I was had hoped, the um, experience itself couldn't have been more amazing. Awesome. And you're going to write a blog post about this and share yeah. it next week on our, on our, yep. on our website? Oh, good. Yeah. Good, yeah. good. Uh, I, and I got to say, I th- how many women do you think ran a half marathon on Valentine's Day and thought they had their own Amy Craig, Shalane Flanagan? I know, right? <laughs> because because right. definitely on the drive out to our race, Molly and I were like, oh, we're going to be like Amy Craig and Shalane Flanagan. And so, right. yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, so you know how I was pointing out that, um, your race is in, uh, Hill country of Texas. Um, it wasn't until last night that I realized that my half marathon, which ended up also being very surprisingly hilly is in a town called Hillsboro. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe context clues should have told me. They should have. Yeah, they should have let us know. Maybe that this <laughs> the borough that. of hills. Yes. <laughs> never, never thought that. Never, never. Um, so mine, my half marathon was also um, far more challenging than I thought it was going to be. And 
they had a race within a race, which was um, from mile three to four. And so they had a mat at the bottom and a mat at the top. And I say bottom and top because it was largely a mile hill. And there it flattened out a few times, but it was not a straight shot. You would turn and you'd be like, mother of God, there are still more hills ahead of me. (laughs) I need to unclench my jaw when I say that even now. Um, So um, yes, so that was, that was challenging. And because Molly and I have not been doing a ton of hills because that is really what my coach thinks might be my ankles undoing if it, if it ever comes to that, because um, definitely it, I can feel, you know, from my, um, from my fracture and my surgery and all that stuff, I can definitely feel, um, I, for a while it was hard for me to get up fully onto my toes, which is something right. that I do when I go up a hill. And then my Achilles was also seemed kind of tight. And so it was only in the past few weeks that I've been able to run up a hill that I felt sort of like my old self. And then also my coach's bigger fear is going downhill and right. because she's worried that I'm, I'm going to jam it. And so, um, yeah, so this was perhaps not the ideal race course <laughs> for me, but the time, the timing of it was perfect for a tune-up race for Boston. Right. And then I told myself, you know, Boston's a fairly hilly um, course with the first half has a net downhill. So, um, you know, going downhill was good practice and, um, so yeah, it was, and I had forgotten how, how hard it is to stay intentional and focused in your effort for 13.1 miles. Yeah, it's a, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Because it's really yeah, there's just, you know, because when you're on a training run, you can think like, oh, okay, when I get to the top of this hill, you know, maybe I'll walk for a minute. Maybe right. I'll stop and, you know, you know pretend I ta- need to tie my shoe or something like that. <laughs> right. Oh, look, a penny. I think I'll stop right. and then walk for a little bit. And this is like, nope, got to keep going. Got to keep yep. going with some, some ferocity in it. And um, yeah, so so there's that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. it's That's that's the hard part, I yeah. think, sometimes. It's just keeping your head focused for that long. And, you know, I have to keep it focused for a little bit longer than you do. So, uh, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's hard. Yeah, it is. So, but that was so awesome because most of the women were from our retreat that was right. in Little Rock, Arkansas. So that was, so it was like a reunion. It was like a reunion. And I don't know that I have smiled and laughed and just joked around so much in forever. Oh, uh, that's awesome. And it was really, it was really great. Oh, it's so awesome. So I do have to say, speaking of retreats, we are, there is, we don't have anything set yet, but we are, uh, we have found a facility that really seems very promising in Spokane, Washington. And so we have taken a couple more steps toward the possibility of having a retreat. So we will be deciding probably in the next um, few weeks to definitely within the month, we'll know whether or not that last weekend of last full weekend of September would be our running retreat if we have one this year. And how hilly is Spokane? (laughs) Speaking of. um, (laughs) um, So because yes, because there is a half marathon in this year's retreat, uh, um, the option to do a race, you could do a half marathon. Uh, They have 10K and 5K options at the Happy girls Spokane um not gonna lie that half marathon is supposedly very hilly and um some of it's on trail um so Jonna did it last year our executive director and it was it was challenging so but again like you said you know all those smiles so there'd be smiles in your miles that's the really great thing is that running with a group of women um that you all know and our other mother runners Mm -hmm. um it's pretty that part alone is well worth the price of admission and the challenge of a bazillion hills. Yeah. 
Yeah, good. Good, good. Yeah. So, well, speaking of Mother Runners facing challenges, <laughs> <laughs> um, our guest today is Becca Peasy, and that name might sound familiar to you because Becca just became the first American woman to run, wait for it, seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. <laughs> Okay, I need to sit down now after saying I know, that. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, let me do the math for you. That's nearly 184 miles of running in seven days, not to mention all the airplane, airplane flights to jet around the globe. This single mother of one just completed this Herculean undertaking last month with the kickoff marathon being in Antarctica. And I didn't say that very well. Antarctica. It's Getting in that sea, there's, yeah, yeah, the seas, the teas, I have a cold, you know, that was a tough word. So, uh, but before we welcome on Becca, we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Welcome, Becca. We are so pleased to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, so take us back to the beginning. Um, what's your running background before you decided to do seven continents, continents in seven days? Sure. So I started running when I was six years old. My dad inspired me to run and I never stopped competing through college. Oh, come on. You got to fill in more of the blanks than that. You've run so, 50. You've yeah. run 50. You, you talk, talk, talk. You've, you And brag a little bit. You have run 15 okay. Boston marathons, right? You've run what? Yes, that's correct. So I've run 15 Boston marathons and um, it's my absolute favorite day of the year. I love everything about it. And I'm on a marathon quest to run a marathon in every state. So I wow. just hit my 27th state. So going in, when I read about the World Marathon Challenge, I was in, I was already at 45 marathons total uh-huh. so how old were you when you went on your first marathon I was 17 years old and I ran the first my first Boston marathon um through Liberty Tra- Track Club wow so, so you, just, so you, you, you can be under right eight, Boston and yeah and you can be under 18 and, and run Boston at the time you, I was 17 and, and was able to get a waiver um got the approval from my track coach who I still keep in contact with today and um and it was a go wow yeah, no, yeah, way to start big, you know. It's right. Like... <laughs> yeah. Well, then I went to my next marathon and I'm like, where is everybody? This this is kind of quiet. So um, <laughs> that was the only downfall to it. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. You're like, wait, wait, there aren't nearly as many spectators as there were in that Boston well, one. <laughs> yeah, it was a very different experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, um, Okay, so you mentioned, you know, when you heard about the World Marathon Challenge. So, you know, when did you start daydreaming about it? How did you hear about it? And then how did you make it a reality logistically? So I read about it on the Marathon Maniacs homepage in their running club. And I read about it and right away needed to know more about it, knew that I was going to run it. I didn't know how I was going to run it, but I but I knew that I was born to run that race, this mm-hmm. race. Nice. So I contacted... Yeah, I contacted the race director, and he said, he's Richard Donovan from Ireland, and he said, you'd be the first American female to run this race. And there was one attempt last year. It didn't happen, not on, not in the World Marathon Challenge, but another event. And I said, oh, absolutely, I'm in, count me in. And there was a $36,000 race entry fee, and I Ooh. thought, I'll figure that out later, but absolutely, I want that spot. Wow. Wow. So- okay, so yeah, come on. You you mentioned the thirty six thousand dollar bill, and you are a so, you run a daycare. You are right a daycare provider, and you are manager of an ice cream shop. So right, um, and I'm assuming yes. you, you kept both your kidneys. You didn't just sell one of those. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So I thought, 
who I reached out to Dave McGilvery. Dave McGilvery is the Boston Marathon race director. And I said, what do you think about this race? And do you think who could sponsor me in this type of event? And he said, I think that this is an amazing goal, something that you'll have forever. I think you should go for it. And when looking for sponsors, I think that you should think about small companies that need you and you need them. So, cause, um, I was, I, I was very nervous about the big, bigger companies that I would never be able to get in contact. So that's what I did. I was already, I, I thought, I sat down and thought, who, who can help me? That's a small company an electrolyte. So I contacted Ultima Replenisher. They're sold in Whole Foods. And I contacted Dr. Cool Recovery, who I've seen at all of the Disney events, run Disney events. Uh-huh, right. And it, Dr. Cool's compression wrap. Ultima is an electrolyte, and I knew that I, not only would I be needing the monetary help, but I could use their sponsor, their products as well. Uh-huh. So I wrote to them, and they were like, absolutely, we'll help you. We think what you're doing is awesome. And um, and at the time, both companies were looking for ambassadors, too, so people to represent their companies. So when, I, when Ultima said yes, I was so – it was like one of the happiest days of my life because I thought – this is happening. This is gonna. So I, you know, and then and then the third company that reached out to me was um, BMW Peabody Lion Wah. So mm-hmm. um, he just said, "Hey, if you need help," and I and I did. I was still minus about ten thousand dollars shy. <laughs> and he said, if you, "If you need help, I'd love to help you." So my boyfriend works for the company, and I he had shared one of my Facebook posts, and I was like, "Yes, yes, I would. I really need the help." So. Um, it, I was able to get 100% covered, um, so wow. I felt very, very lucky. So the next pr- tough part, which would be one of the hardest parts of the World Marathon Challenge, was telling my parents. And um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, I'm going to talk, and you're going to listen, and there's this race, and it happens to be over seven days on seven continents. And they were like why we don't support this this is not something that we want you doing and i said because i have this opportunity to show the world that you can do anything that you put your mind to and i love to travel i love to run it's an unbelievable test of endurance and strength which i was really looking forward to it's an opportunity for me to show my daughter that to believe in yourself and that you can do anything that you put your mind to there are so many reasons why i should run this race and i said why not and they were like because it you don't how how do you know it's safe how do you know that you're going to have plenty of food to eat but i had done my research so any th- answer that they had i was ready to go and um i i watched the race unfold last year and and, and i reached out to the runners and there was one runner um, the first female to run this event, Mariana, and she was so helpful to me and met me in Madrid and ran 14 miles of the Madrid marathon with me. So, um, it was awesome to have her help and support. And, um, but you know, my parents didn't talk to me for like eight months or, or no. nine. I wasn't really allowed to, you know, really? they, not that they, they not, it, I was not just, it was such my mom's like, well, I'm not going to sleep the entire time you're away. And I said, well, neither am I. So we'll Skype each other. We'll both be up. So no, don't, don't, don't try to make me feel bad about but my dreams. This is a dream to me. So um, so I little by little, they start seeing these emails that people say, hey, even if you don't finish this, you've inspired me to go after my goals. You've inspired me. So 
little by little, I would just send them emails from people that I never met before. And um, event one month before I left, I said, I need to know that you support this. You don't, you don't have to believe in me. You don't have to. But I, I can't get on that plane not knowing that you don't believe in me and support me. And they said, we love you. We support you. We believe in you. Be careful. So um, oh I said, you know, if the plan was if anything wasn't going accordingly that I would not be able to run. And I, I mean, I meant I've got too much at stake for me. If I was feeling dizzy, if I was feeling then, yes, I would back back off. And that was the plan. So we talked every day, even in Antarctica, where, oh where it gosh. started. I, I picked up a satellite phone and called my parents. So, um, you know, so, so that, you know. That was different, but yeah, that now they're my now my parents are my biggest fans now that I'm home. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it started in Antarctica. Where did you run on each continent? Um, so it started on Antarctica. We ran on a glacier, which was unbelievably awesome. And then we went. All of these courses were certif are certified courses, and um, because they have to keep an eye on us. They're all loops or out and back. So the smallest loop we did was four loops. The biggest amount of loops was 13. Wow. So they're all out and back. And then they had people checking off the tickers, making sure that we were where, you know, running each each one, you know, it was just to make sure right. we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. So, yeah. But these were not organized races. You know, it wasn't like you were showing up and running the Miami Marathon or the Madrid Marathon, no. right? These were specially no. set up for this challenge. That's right, because we only averaged 10 hours per continent. So there was no time to, like, go to the expo, get our bibs, learn about. We, it was kind of funny because we would touch down, go through customs at the airport, go into the bathroom come out like Superman ready to race. You know, that was the only way to describe it, you know, and people, I started to watch people watch us like what, what, there's no bathroom at your race you're going to like I, but no, that we just, we got ready to run and in the airports, brushed our teeth in the airports, got ready to go. We were either at all times running, sleeping, eating or flying. Well, and I got to, I got to so. ask this question just pinged into my mind so your body doesn't know what time it is so i mean were you able to do the all-important were you able to poop <laughs> before each marathon um well i was so everything that happens happens on a plane so um i, I made sure that i was i got my we were we were business class international which is kind of like first class i never had heard of it but the seats lay down into beds and it was totally comfortable but Every time you go into the airport or every time you go sit down, they say, do you want us to wake you up for breakfast? And for that reason, I'm like, yes, and, and bring me a coffee, please. Because coffee <laughs> will take care of you know, so, And then we kind of like went into the bathroom, did our thing, brushed our teeth, used the bathroom. But, you know, it was it was different. It was definitely I, I different. I so badly for the people who had actually like, you know, who were like flying for work or whatever. And they were like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> yeah. 15 people yeah. just pooped in the airplane toilet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Exactly what it was like. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no. No one knows. That's what it was. Exactly. You know. I felt. I looked around, and we were 15 of those seats, so it was just we had to be sure that. <laughs> yeah. If, if we could hold it, we'd hold it. But you for the most part, like, it was really before, just, and you guys were all like, it, "Okay, we have to poop. So if you need to just pee, just yeah. go ahead, and then we'll yeah, go after hustle. you." If you need to just hustle in there, we got to, I mean, everything. I thought I'd be shaving in there, but no, we, we did get hotel rooms, but we only averaged about two hours per hotel. 
<laughs> Can Same. I tell you, yeah, I, was, wasn't like- I was impressed that in the picture of you holding the American flag over, you know, like up behind your head. I'm like, oh, look, her pits <laughs> are shaved. I'm really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so that's, yeah, in the two, and the, yeah, that's exactly, especially Australia. I'm like in Antarctica where there's no one's going to see what's underneath there, or whatever. But when I, once I get to Miami, I need to make sure that shaving is a priority. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, now yeah. we got totally distracted from the fact that they planned these marathons for you. So they were, they were not like races with tons of other people. And they were kind of like your own little boutique races, right? Right, right. That's exactly what it was. And, and except for the very last one in Australia, um, he, Richard said that any of our friends could run as much or as little as they wanted to. Okay. I was lucky enough to have support on every continent. So except for... Um, Antarctica, which nobody could really get to, yeah, but um, <laughs> I had a friend run, run with me on every continent, which was so helpful. Wow, you got some in good the friends. Miami Marathon. Yeah, oh, the best. In Miami Marathon was actually the day before we were there to run. That was on a Sunday. We got there on a Monday, and um, they came out and cheered us on, and they had their medals on, and they would knew what we were doing, and it was great. Oh, how fun! That sounds really great. Yeah, um, yeah. So you said there were fifteen of you. Um. It, and I heard that there was a man who had never run a marathon before that challenge. Yeah. How Patrick did he... from America. Yeah, he, you know, he was running it for a great cause oh. and um, thought, yeah, and thought I, I can, he was doing it for a boy sick that just had passed of pancreatic cancer. And he said, I, I just need to, I asked him, how, how did you have the confidence? And he said, I'm running for this little boy. And, um, and it was, he was, Patrick was so inspiring. I mean, it was just so great to see this guy come out and do something for somebody other than themselves. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Cause, oh my gosh. Cause when I read that in runner's world, I was like, that is just crazy to never have run a marathon and then sign up to do, yeah. You know, right, seven, seven in a row, and I mean, because yeah. what if you hate it? What if you're bad at it? I, <laughs> that's what I, I just can't imagine doing what he do he did he did. I remember being so scared going into my first Boston Marathon, and I don't I don't know how he did it, but he but he had, he was just so such a great guy too. So he kept things very fun for us. Oh my gosh! And so and the timing it seemed when I was reading a Boston Globe article about your week long quest, and it seems like the races were run at fairly random times of day. Like that the Marrakesh yes. one was 12 hours after you finished Madrid and that you finished across yeah. the finish line in Sydney at 3 a.m. So was that all just because of the flight logistics? Yeah. So we had to we had to finish the entire seven days within 168 hours, which is seven days um, from Australia time. And and it was just go, go, go. There was so if that meant if we had to run at three in the morning or run at midnight or we ran at all types of days, which, which we trained for throughout the year. We knew that going into it. Wow. But still Morocco and Madrid were 12 hours away from each other. And that was, that was tough. I was so bummed out about a two hour airplane. Cause I'm at ride. I said, okay, this is going to be really, we literally just flew across the finish line, flew, came, went through customs and went to the next one. Oh. That was hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> my mind is just blown here uh, how do you even start to wrap your head around training for all of that um I talked to many of my friends and a lot of my friends are runners here and I thought what do you think about how do you train for something like this do you train like an ultra marathoner do you train like a marathoner what do you do and I talked to I got great advice from my friend Mark and he said why don't you think about doing 70 to 100 miles a week working up to seven days a week and then I knew 
And so a, a hundred mile week would, would be a 20 mile run, a 15 mile run, 20, and then it would go 10, 10, 10, 10. And I felt like when I did that hundred mile weeks, I, I felt very strong because I was learning to run on very tired legs. I was learning to run exhausted, which I never would do if I was just running the Boston Marathon because there's a fine line for injury. But I was very good at listening to my body. If something wasn't quite right, I would back off. If I felt great, I went for it. And I also added personal training and yoga for runners. So um, the yoga helped out so much with stretch, stretching and flexibility and the personal training was a real good help to the training as well. So with those and CrossFit was a big help. So, um, I felt like I, I knew it would be a lot of hard work over the year, but I also had a great base off of the 45 marathons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of a good, decent base. Let's just yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could do better. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you, yeah. so you focus for a year on training for this. I trained for one whole year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And so then have to backtrack a tiny bit. So you said that um, an American woman had tried the year before, but ran into problems. Um, what happened there? Do you yeah. Know? They, she was with through another seven, seven, seven series and they went from hot to cold. So they started out and went and, and they got had problems going into Chile with the winds and the, and the, snow and the winds so we went from cold to hot so that we could knock out the first coldest first yeah yeah so we'll talk to us about that i mean what what was it like running in antarctica i mean that that it was in the slippery and cold and was it dark like take us there yeah so sure so it was it was light out 24 hours so you would wake you'd go to sleep for the night and you'd wake up and you'd have no idea what time it was i was trying to conserve my watch for my race in case oh, in case i didn't have charging clever, systems yeah. or so a couple times i woke up i'm like cuz we we actually flights in and out of antarctica only go every 3 days so we were literally dropped off by the russian illusion which is an unbelievable plane and um we're dropped off and they leave and they come pick us up 3 days later and <laughs> You know, so you don't know what time it is. You don't know. I mean, you, you can go into the common areas or find out, or maybe people brought extra watches and stuff, but I, I didn't. But um, so you wake up and it's light out 24 hours a day. So we're, we slept in solar panel tents, which were 40 degrees. Um, so a lot colder than the negative four outside. And we were, t- we had, um, and they give Richard, um, we gave us the Antarctica gear. So I was totally warm and, so three days go by, and we actually ran our first lap. Richard called it taking a punt. We the we weren't enti- there was too windy, and there was a storm coming in. So he said, "You're going to run your first lap, and we'll tell you whether or not the flight's gonna is on its way." And I was like, "Uh oh!" But I trusted that he knew that he had to be pretty sure for us to run that first, start the marathon oh, without. Okay thinking that it was on its way. So we, right. I came through the chute, the first of four laps, and he said, keep going. The flight's on its way. I'm like, yes. So <laughs> that was great. I was right. Because that would have really messed up all my friends and family's flights because that oh meant gosh, we yeah. don't fly in until another three days. Right. So luckily, everything worked in our favor. So um, we ran around 4 o'clock on, in Antarctica, and that's when the gun begins. And then you have, you know, so we started – that race and it was it was um it was light out but it was it wasn't like bright so um it was it was windy coming down the back stretch for sure and it was hard for me to get a grip because it was like running on sand oh so like sand oh so not like running on, on ice sand. 
No, not not like running on on ice, but we were on a glacier. So if it was very much so like looking running on sand. Wow. Because wow. you're saying the the snow was kind of loose and granular. Yeah, it was it was loose. It was very loose. So um, because rather than it being like negative twenty, which it could have been, and we were very lucky, it was negative four. So it was a little warmer than than it typically is. So the it was the snow was a little little much like sand. You know, it's it's always sad when you say, well, negative four was wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> you know? Like negative four that's, sounds bad enough. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. You know, it, it and then like to the different. They'd use we use Fahrenheit. They use Celsius. So I right. got an email saying that they were it was going to be a inside the tents was going to be about negative ten, and I'm like I'm going to die in that weather. How am I going? And then my boyfriend was like, "They okay, calm down. They're talking about Celsius." And I was like, "Oh, okay, that means yeah. you know." So I was like thinking, "How am I going to survive in this weather?" Because I kind of signed up, and then I learned all the real facts. Like we're sleeping in tents, and there's no hotels, and it was it was like as I went along for the race. So um, it was it was different, you know, to learn about these things. But but I I'm glad I didn't know because who knows if I would have signed up if I knew these things. I was about to say, was it better that you didn't know going in? Definitely yes, <laughs> definitely. Oh my gosh! And then you kind of. Oh my gosh! And so you said that you went from cold to warm. So I mean, how hot was it, say, in Miami, and then how hot was it in Australia? Um, in Miami, it was about sixty-five. It was definitely warm. I think we ran it at seven a.m. and I don't remember the sun actually coming out until like the last half hour. It was, it was in Australia. It was summer. So mm-hmm. it was like 75 degrees, very, very hot, but it was also midnight. So we never saw the sun oh, right. and we ran it on Manly beach. So we ran it right on the beach. So we did feel a breeze. So that was nice. I think we would have been in serious trouble if it was during the day. Do you mean you, you didn't run on sand on true sand? Did you? No, no, it was like no, on we a didn't trail run, or no. something. It was on the trail right next to the beach or okay. like on the walkway. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Your marathon times in, the seven day challenge averaged three fifty five eleven. Um, yeah. How, what's your typical marathon finish time? Because it seems like you had some challenges along the way, and that's still an amazing time. Yeah, I was hoping. So I typically I ran Boston in three twenty eight. I can usually be in the three twenties. If otherwise, it's all I have. To, I, if I stay in like three thirty, I'm totally happy with that. Um, I figured if I add another half hour, so I was hoping I wanted, I probably will never do this event again. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> never say never. Yes, you just, if I, I, you. I, yeah, I say, I'm sure my sponsors would sponsor me again, but I, I say I'm never going to do it again until somebody beats my time and then I'm going to go back and do it again. But, but just to be, it, it was a long trying year and I don't want to put my family through this again. And, um, but I loved everything about it. What I so in my mind I said set the bar as high as you can set it. So if if you can hang on to a th- sub three fifty, that would be so awesome. And um, and I think I was at like right at the three fifty range when I got injured in Dubai. So um, I just tried to hang on. You know, Tom Brady says you didn't come this far just to come this far, and it kept playing over and over in my head. But I was in serious pain in Dubai, and I just kind of took one step at a time. Yeah, tell us about that. You you had a groin pull, right, or a groin tear? Groin I did. Tear. I had a groin. I was running um, at mile two in Dubai, which was the sixth marathon. I got to mile two, and 
I thought it was a severe cramp because it kind of just stabbed in my groin and brought me to the ground. Like I was crawling and I thought, okay, I'm the last one to get injured. At that point, every single runner had been, had something. So I thought, okay, this is just a cramp. This is going to go away. And it never went away. So when I crossed the finish line, I had a big softball, black and blue. And I thought, oh no, this is death. Kind of like when you look at WebMD and you think, oh my God, I'm dying. I thought, oh my God, this is blood clots. What am I going to do? I went to medical and he said, it absolutely is not a blood clot. You have pulled your groin. And I said, what does that mean? I have never in my life been injured. What does that mean? And he said, it's going to be painful, but you're welcome to run on it. And I'm like, okay. So at that point, I had one more marathon left. So the sweetest story about the whole thing is that I'm bawling my eyes out on the on the plane to a uh, 15-hour flight to from Dubai to Australia. And this airline stewardess came over and she said, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. How can I help you? And I said, I'm in so much pain. I don't know how I'm going. And she's, I said, the, she's like, what's the plan? What would help you? And she brought me bottled water. And then she said, I said, do you have ice? And she came back with ice, which I never thought she'd have. I thought she'd have an ice pack or something. I don't She came back with a bunch of ice. And, um, and I had fallen asleep about two hours. And I said, my plan is to ice this until 59 hours, just ice it to get it down. <laughs> so I, I fell asleep like an hour into my big master plan of staying up all night to ice it. I woke up to her switching out my ice pack Aww. and my the ice. And Aww. I'm like, she's, this is her way of like, she's pulling for me. She, and, 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 you know, and she said, I'll see you in, I'll see you in Australia. And Kyle come to the finish. I don't know if she ever did. Cause we were so busy at the finish line. I never, I'm not entirely sure, but, um, but how awesome is that, that somebody cared so much about me that they, you know, came over, came over to do that. I just felt very, very lucky. Um, and I'll always think about how she just came, went way out of her way. She switched out my ice pack in my groin area, which must have been pretty awkward for her to make that decision. Like, what if I woke up and flipped out? Cause I already wasn't in the best of moods, like, but she, she just took over, you know, and I iced it. And so the first few miles were okay. And then I was in severe pain, but, um, but just, you know, and, and I'm at a hundred percent already. It's already completely gone. So I'm very lucky that it wasn't a stress fracture or anything like that. Wow. Did anyone of the 15 get completely sidelined? You said they all got injured. You were the last um, one to get injured. Yeah, I was. I was the last one. And I knew it was, I, I was hoping that it wouldn't come. And I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to get hurt. If I haven't, I would have already gotten injured by now. Um, they were stress fractures, shin splints, all everything. And we, and everybody was so funny. One of the runners, one of the, but there were two amazing men. Um, they're, they're our military, they're active duty. And one just came, we were so desperate. One came running down in Dubai without sh shoes and socks. And he's like, he comes running and he's like, I'll, I'll try anything at this point. And to see him without shoes and socks on in very hot weather, I'm like, he's desperate. We're in, <laughs> we're in trouble, but we just kind of, we just kind of got through it together. I said, we're going to finish it. And, and he bounced back, but you know, he still has an injury, which is kind of a bummer, but um, we worked together. You know, I, you don't know going into this event, if you're going to, if one man for themselves or we all work together, you know, we all really helped each other out at, at one point or another. Yeah. Cause was there, but there was there a sense that you all were racing each other? Like, was there one winner declared of the, of yeah. the event? Oh yeah. Oh, there okay. was yeah, there was a male theme, a male, a male winner, and and who and and Dan had broken last year's uh, record and did he averaged three 
335, I think, for each marathon. And um, and then I was the first female. Um, I was hoping to be first, but it was more important that I cross the finish line and make history than to blow it trying to run fast. Wait, so how many men and how many women were in the group of 15? 11 men and four women. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, and you know, and you have never told us, please go through um, the marathons, like which, where you ran on each continent, please. Sure. So we started in Antarctica and then Chile, Miami, Madrid, Morocco, Dubai, and it ended in Australia. Okay. All right. Gracious. Okay, so so and you said that the the flight attendant changing out your ice in your groin was <laughs> was a standout memory. But are there some other standout memories, maybe from one of the races or something? You know, for me, I have personal. T- so my mom got to fin- watch me finish on my pa- both my parents on Skype, and oh. you know, I I cr- I crossed the finish line. And I'm like, where? where is that voice coming from? Is it God? Is it, what is that? And, Cause it was just coming from, and I'm in, I'm talking to Associated Press and I'm like, or like, I'm, I don't know what I, whatever I was doing at the time, but I heard, what is that? And it, it meant so much to me that my parents could finish and watch my dream come true, make history on Skype. You know, I just will never, ever forget. And we're, we're crying. I was ugly crying that last entire mile. But they were, they were just, we all ugly cried. And, you know, it was like such an amazing day. I get, I get home from the events and we have a welcome home parade. And I get to go through the whole town on a fire truck and go underneath a banner. And then they name February 4th Becca Peasy Day. It's just been such an honor to represent the town and the country. And, and running on glaciers in Antarctica and Bostonians came out to Chile to cheer me on that I have never met before. Wow. You know, and, and it, it just meant so much that so many people were on board with this. And um, running in Morocco was so cool. And every continent was so unique and different. I made sure to have a dessert on every single continent, which was, <laughs> which was you know, and people were like, that that's what you're going to do? I'm like, yeah, that's important, important to me. So, um, you know, they're like, do a cartwheel on every continent or you, you do it, whatever, do a handstand. I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool to have a dessert on every continent. So, um, that, that was fun for me. And, um, I got to Skype with my, with my daughter every day and she got to go, when I crossed the finish line, she got to go on, on the PA system at school and say, you know, I'm Taylor from Miss McBride's class. My daughter finished strong. And that's something that means a lot to Taylor. And Uh I mean, my mom finished strong and, you know, and that's what Taylor used to say to me, finish strong. And I got to Skype in with her every day. And, but being on each continent was so, was so different and unique. Wow. So did you, uh, being in Morocco, were there any, um, clothing restrictions? Like, did you have to, you know, cover your arms or, right. you know, wear or pants? Well, yeah. yeah. Or in Dubai. The race, yeah, good call. Yeah, in Dubai. Yeah. The race director pulled a fast one on me. He was like, you got to wear a bur- burqa. And oh I'm like, goodness. but I, yeah. So he like, and I was like, you, you, I asked you if I needed to wear one. He's like, no, you, you, you have to wear one. So I'm looking at it. And I'm like, how am I going to run in that? But I look at it and I'm like, so I was like, I, for some reason I go, do you have a pink one? And he's like, <laughs> and he started laughing and he's like, I was totally kidding. I'm like, 
I am so stressed out. So then he looks at the Marines. The Marines come off the bus and he says to him, and he says to the Marines, you have to wear your T-shirts. We're in, we're in Dubai. You have to wear your T-shirts. I'm like, he's totally kidding. No, you don't. And he's like, no, no, Becca, seriously, they really do. I'm like, oh, because I, I just told them that because you played a joke on me. I just told them that they didn't have to do that. And, and, and then they went back to the buses and I'm like, oh, sorry, you guys actually really do need to wear shirts. And they weren't, they didn't, ha- they had like these shirts that weren't their running tanks and they weren't used to running in tank tops, but no. No, you know, watching everybody. No, but I did ask, and he said no, and I wanted to be sure, and and so that was the case. Um, we never had to cover up in, in Morocco or Dubai. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And so was, yeah. um, okay. So that's an awful lot of miles. That's um, almost 184, right? Miles total. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Ch- chafing or no chafing? No chafing. I was oh in um, body glide head to toe, and it was very <laughs> every single even even. I just thought, don't get sloppy keep your guard up keep keep on top of your everything that you've been doing so i made like a little checklist of things nice yeah nice so what what was your dessert in antarctica let's deal with the important stuff here okay i know so, right exactly. <laughs> so this is very important so i thought that i would get to antarctica and there would be no food we ate like kings in antarctica they had the best home like hearty meals mashed wow. potatoes meatloafs everything chicken sandwich everything that you could think of they had pasta dishes and and they had the food out 24 hours a day so there was always something that you could eat so i said when when you there's not like you're not doing much you're just focusing on the race and so i thought seven marathons seven continents seven days seven pounds i'm gonna gain seven pounds in antarctica because there's <laughs> nothing to do other than eat so um so that was funny, but they did have um, tons of pie and peas in Antarctica, so I ate those every day in Antarctica. Wait, I c- it cut out a little bit. You ate what every day in Antarctica? Uh, pies and cookies. Oh, pies. Okay, I thought you'd describe what type of yeah. pie. So, but but so, they must not have been. Were they fruit pies? I mean, were I'm thinking they must be. No, made from... they were like apple pie. Wow. They were all sorts of pie, apple pie. So I don't know how they. Every three days they come in with a whole shipment of food, but they have a cook there and everything. And is this a research facility or something? It is, yes. And a Russian research facility or a U.S. one? It's going to be a. I think it's from Chile, a Chile one. Oh, Chilean. A Chilean. Because uh-huh. they they Chilean because they they're from they use Chile a lot and we fought, flew in and out of Chile but uh-huh. it, I know that there was a Russian camp set up too. Oh, huh. Okay, so but yeah. you were with with the researchers you were with. They were U.S. or they were Chilean or they were just a, a hodgepodge. Oh, no, we were just, they were just there for us. This group was just there for us. We kind of rented the camp out. Oh, okay. So there was just 15 of us runners. And then at the same time, the day before was the 100K. So they had 100K that the race director put on. That was the day before. So they were there too. There were about 10 of those guys. Oh, yeah. And there was a family reunion and there was a a corporate (laughs) retreat. And, you know. It was, I know those things. Oh my goodness. Okay. All righty. So, Go ahead, Adrian. I was about to say, what are you going to do next? Next is I'm going to finish out the 50 states and, um, and then obviously the Boston Marathon in April. And I would love to do an Ironman and I'm going to do it Patrick Fallon style. Patrick Fallon's the one that just kind of showed up and raced the seven marathons yeah. without training. Not that I'm not going to train, but I'm going to go. People have said, are you going to, are you going to start with like the shorter distances? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going like all the way in for it for the, for, I'm going to train for it, but I'm yeah. going to go right in. You know, I'm not going to do any of like the tries. Sprint or Olympic the or shorter anything. Distances. Yeah, nah, no, those I'm are for sissies. Gonna, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. 
No, I'm just going right into it. And and I, I think that's the, that's the way to do it. Obviously, I'm going to train for it, but, you know, really hard over the next year. But the goal this year is to sign up for an Ironman. Okay. And then do you have your um, marathons all plotted out for all the next dates that you need to get? Or all no, um, I don't yet because I didn't know how my body would feel. But I've had so many race directors reach out. Hey, we'd love to have you. So I'm going to sit down and figure out what works. Oh, nice. Nice, That's nice. Great. Yeah. Okay. And have so, you checked? But I, I'd like to run. Have you checked Oregon off your list yet? I did. I did Portland. It was beautiful. Oh, you did? Oh, what year did you do that? Le- this year. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Good, good. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oh, great. Good. Good, good. Well, it has been a ton of fun chatting with you becca we are so delighted to have had this opportunity thanks for having me all righty you take care thanks you too Bye. i've been everywhere man i've been everywhere man across the desert bear man i breathe the mountain air man i travel i've had my share man i've been everywhere I've been to Reno, Chicago, Oh my gosh. I am not sure what is the most unbelievable, amazing, like, oh wow moment of that she shared with us. <laughs> right? I'm just so happy she talked to us about poop. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's so funny, because the dessert is really one of the standout things for me. So. Yeah, well, come on. <laughs> Priority, Sarah. Yeah, it was funny, because as she was talking, you know, I've, so I've done up these questions, and suddenly she's talking, I'm like, wait a minute, we got to ask about I poop. <laughs> no, it's all the details of that is just mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, and uh, we didn't even get into the like, well, so how'd you like dry out your clothes or did you have seven, right. you know, all the, oh, we'll need to have her back on again. I know. <laughs> did she switch shoes between race? I mean, there are just so many questions. Oh, exactly. So many questions. All righty. Well, here's Dimity in the Train Like a Mother Club, which launched several 5K training plans this week. Hey, everybody. Dimity here in Denver with the Train Like a Mother Club corner. A little bit of a backstory. Camille, who was in the Stride into the New Year Challenge, was going away for Valentine's Day with her husband, a nice little romantic getaway with a 10-mile race thrown in. And I believe it was somewhere in, like, northern Virginia where it was crazy cold and windy and the race was canceled. And so she wrote in kind of early in the week and said, oh, my race is canceled, I'm bummed, blah, blah, blah. And we all kind of chimed in and said, sorry, but, you know, still go eat some chocolate and have a great time with your husband and maybe, you know, get a run in on the treadmill um, because it's so cold outside. And so, um, in fact, this is what she did. Here's her post from um, Stride into the New Year. Camille says, okay, Bammer Nation. My goal race for this morning was postponed, but I ran it anyway with much encouragement from you. I went out just as I would have on a starting line, ran 10 miles in 19 degrees and 20 mile per hour winds with snow blowing out of trees in every direction. There was a headwind for about six miles. I am feeling as bad ass as a mother runner can feel. I didn't push as hard as I would have been in a field of runners, but I came in seven minutes slower than my goal time for the race. 10 miles, one hour, 37 minutes. Ate my goo with a brisk walk and had my uber supportive husband waiting in the driveway to get my finisher photo. Love him. Thanks for all the support, Bammers. Congratulations, Camille. Super proud of you for getting it done, going despite Mother Nature and everything else conspiring against you. And hey, seven minutes off your goal time with no race in those conditions, that is totally badass. Nice job. The song for this week is uh, the new Bare Naked Ladies song. 
Um, hopefully I'm not revealing my nerdiness too much, um, but love them. And, um, and we are taking, we just decided, my husband and I decided that the kids uh, need to go to their first concert, or don't they don't need to, but we're going to take them to their first concert this summer. And the Bare Naked Ladies are playing at Red Rocks with um, two people that Grant is super excited to see, and now I can't think of who they are. Should have looked it up. I want to say it's Electric Light Orchestra and somebody else, but he's totally into those 80s kind of English bands. So anyway, he'll probably go early, and the rest of us will go see the Bare Naked Ladies. But here is their new song called Odds Are. The odds are that we will probably be all right. Odds are we gonna be all right. Odds are we gonna be all right tonight. The odds are that we will probably be all right. Odds are we gonna be all right. Odds are we gonna be all right for another night. Hit by the A train, crashed in an airplane. I just realized we are coming up on the anniversary of the publication date of all three of our books. Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner. If you haven't read these witty, heartfelt collection of essays and advice, please consider buying a copy or gifting one to a friend or family member. And might I say, they make excellent baby shower gifts. All right, I'm done with that plug. Um, so wherever your running travels take you, many happy miles. Happy miles.